Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And if you're looking for uh, candid conversations on arts and culture, you found the right place. Please consider subscribing and sharing. Today's guest is a Baltimore-based illustrator, storyteller, and creative problem solver. We, we have some things in common. Please <laughs> welcome Ifan Lowe. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Rob. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Likewise, I'm excited to have you on one, you know, your 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 image uh, that you have is your your background image on here. And in various other places, it's like that is a logo that needs to be on a shirt. That is fire. <laughs> Thank you. So, you know, before we get too deep and, and, and immersed in this quicksand of a conversation, um, could you share your story? Give us those those vital stats, those those details. What is the <laughs> Ifan Lowe story? Um, sure. I feel like that's a very broad question, but I would say, you know, it's still being written. So, um, you're, you're witnessing that right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, maybe it would be helpful for me to talk a little bit about where I am now, and then sure. we can peel back the layers a bit and, um, it can give you some info about my background. But, um, as you said, I'm an illustrator, visual storyteller in Baltimore. I'm also um, an educator. I moved here a few years ago, uh, to attend Micah's illustration practice MFA program. And um, I now also teach there part-time as an adjunct in the illustration department, which I absolutely love, um, while building out my practice as a full-time freelance artist. Um, and, you know, we were talking a little bit about um, names and origins and, like, cultural things prior to the start of the, the podcast. And uh, so to give insight on my background, uh, my family is Chinese. Um, I was actually born in, in Chengdu, Pro um, not Chengdu province, Sichuan province. Chengdu is the city. And uh, in the late 80s, you know, during a lot of significant cultural shifts and happenings, um, and my parents uh, moved us to Belgium at a pretty young age. And I um, spent many of my formative years there until I was about nine years old and then moved to the U.S. and have been kind of bouncing around in different places since. So, um, you know, eventually making my way over to Charm City. And, yeah, I think this shifting around uh, during my early years has really inevitably affected, you know, how I uh, move through the world in a figurative way, um, you know. Uh, literal as well, I guess. <laughs> um, but I think it's made me into a very adaptable person. And uh, I think I've always just been very curious by nature. Um, but now I'm, I'm curious, but also very interested in connecting to people from different walks of life and engaging with the communities I'm in, um, but also maybe understanding more about um, different worldviews by, by connecting with individuals. And so um, you'll see a lot of that come up in my work. There's a lot of um, you know, documentation and observation, lots of stuff based on current events and interviewing others um, and just reflections on shared and, and personal identity. Because I also feel like as someone who moved around a lot at a young age, I have this interesting, um, it's like simultaneously feeling connected culturally to a lot of different places while not, you know, fully feeling like I can quote unquote own any of those places um, in comparison to somebody who may have grown up there their whole lives. So um, yeah, but that's that's sort of the nutshell <laughs> background and uh, a little bit about how that ties into the work I'm interested in doing now as an illustrator. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I want to ask about like some some art making, some some uh, storytelling questions. So these next two are kind of going to fall into well, next few are going to fall into mm -hmm. that vein. And then they're going to get progressively weirder as, in the latter <laughs> half, as you're very aware of. Wow. Uh, 
so could you share maybe your your first art making experience or one of those those things where it may be either the experience or the first time where you're like no nah, art is cool i'm so that's something i want to dive into like uh i, I think mm-hmm. for me um when I was younger, I mean, I've mentioned this on this podcast a few times that I mm-hmm. wanted to uh, go into illustration, to go into comics and things mm-hmm. of that nature. And it was one of those things where my uh, my parents, it was a Christmas, they were like, yeah, here's this, I forget whose book was, it may have been Eric Larson's, like how to draw mm. comic characters. Uh-huh. And it was just like, here's some color pencils, have at it. You know, it may have been a thing to preoccupy me because... I was a kid that asked a lot of questions, which yeah. translated into me doing a podcast. Who knows? <laughs> so what was your your first experience with with making art or your first experience when you're like, yeah, art is something I'm interested in. That, that captures my attention. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I've known a lot of wonderful artists who both you know, either remember doing it their whole lives or maybe picked it up more intentionally a little bit later on. And um, I'm definitely somebody who gives a lot of my earliest memories involve some sort of art making, but it wouldn't necessarily fall under this umbrella you know as is true for many kids where I I thought of it consciously as like this is art and this is a craft it was really more just about playing and experimenting and um, I think for me it really came from this love of of kind of making up stories in my head and I would draw compulsively like the these you know recurring characters and scenarios especially in like the margins of uh, my dad was a grad student when I was a kid and so just like a lot of his old papers were lying around and they sort of became like unofficial sketchbook um, because there's something you know I think I say this to a lot of my students now and, and believe this in my general practice but there's something I think a little less precious about drawing on you know a sheet of paper that already has some stuff on it um so yeah I just remember doing a lot of those doodles and having um again these recurring worlds in my head and so I draw different characters sort of experiencing different life events and sometimes it was a way of me you know for me to process what I was going through as a kid um and I mean, it seems like you and I are probably around the same generation. You know, I didn't grow up with the internet or we didn't have cable. So it was really um, a way to, to self-entertain and, and really just kind of get lost in my own world. Um, and then I also loved reading stories and being read to as a kid. And I feel yeah. like in a way that was sort of exposure to a lot of um, illustrated mediums. I had this great children's book that my it was like a compilation of French stories and there was one for every single day of the year. So you could like go to the day and like have a little thing. Um, and so I would have my dad read from that. And um, I read a lot of comics as a kid, um, a lot of Grimm's fairy tales. So just really consuming those stories and then sometimes, you know, translating that, like or remixing it um, into some sort of drawn form. Um, but yeah, again, I think, you know, the idea of like illustration or, um, doing this as something beyond just my own entertainment wasn't something that really um, came about until a little bit later in life. And I still actually remember being really young, like maybe four or five, and going to this event. And there was a famous, um, I think, a coloring, like a colorist or something from a, a comic that I used to read. And he was like signing autographs and drawing like little doodles inside of people's comic books. And I remember thinking at the time, like, wow, they actually have someone manually draw out comics like every you know I thought like I the idea of like printing something was like not even I don't think had entered my mind but it I think that was like the first time I made the connection that there's like a human behind this who's actually like creating this and you know the details are a little blurry I thought maybe he was like literally drawing out every single comic out in the world but it was 
I think the first time I realized like people actually do this for a living. Um, this is cool. That, that was, yeah, it's it one of those those things for me, like super young before. Uh, I remember I used to draw the X-Men. That was that was the thing mm-hmm. that I would draw. And I would hurry up, hurry up, go through my test, get my B, knew that I could just mid-tier <laughs> it, just get a B so uh-huh. I could spend the, the rest of the time drawing Wolverine and then selling it to other students. Because oh that's what I was... A little I'll, side hustle going. You're entrepreneur, entrepreneur. from the get-go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um and also, it's funny um, you mentioned the, uh, the the book with the stories by the different mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. Um, this th- is it's a certain degree of ego I have. Um, like I really like my birth date. Uh, it's January twentieth. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have this one book, The Daily Laws. And the first mm-hmm. thing I did was, of course, go to what is the daily law <laughs> for for my. <laughs> so I treat it like a horoscope. So if I ever find oh, yeah. that book, I'm going to look at it the same way. Like, what oh is yeah, the story? <laughs> right. I think the story for my birthday was something like really short and kind of lame, and it made me a little bit annoyed. Right. At the time. It's like, yeah, I think especially. <laughs> I don't know when you're young too. It's like all these extra dates. Like you don't have as much maybe significant association with other dates yet, and so it's like everything is like hyper birthday you know on a pedestal start looking at it it's like why is my day this the one that sucks why does my story have the mid you know (laughs) i guess the you know just you existing rob is just outshining all the other laws and and random factoids so that's what we'll we'll pin it on you know as i've read the etymology of it rob is uh robert rather is uh, bright and famous so (laughs) for those who don't get it this explains a lot uh as as i (laughs) Wax philosophy, wax philosophy with my hand saying, ah, yes, more. Yeah. Um, so talk about, um, if you will, because storyteller, that, that's that's the thing that's interesting to me because that's uh-huh. you're, you're in my lane now. No, yeah. <laughs> true. What are, in your, in your opinion, what are the most important elements of good storytelling? Yeah. Well, first off, there's room for all of this in the lane, I think. <laughs> But no. it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, Roberts is uh, taking over here. But I think there's <laughs> this is a joke from earlier about you know pronunciation of your name. Um, but I think the it's it's a tricky question because I think you know when we think of storytelling, um, maybe like the traditional sense is like you know there's there's all these different elements working together, and with a really good story, maybe as a consumer, you're not necessarily picking those apart, and um, it it just works, right? Yeah. And I think. Um, for me, I, I think of myself as a storyteller in part, because as maybe you got a sense from me talking about my childhood, a lot of my, um, you know, exposure to illustration and and sort of the things that I really enjoy about it are sort of an extension of this need to, um, tell stories or, or capture words and, and turn it into something authentic. And, um, maybe it sounds a little trite, but I think, you know, if you were to really whittle down to uh, the most important element of a good story, I would say that personally, it's important to have a really strong voice that you re- resonate with. And um, that's both, you know, some a voice that people uh, feel moved by or feel a connection to, um, but also a, a, an engaging way of telling it. And um, yeah, I think there's those just those people out there that you could listen to for hours, even if they're not really talking about you know something with a distinct plot or conflict, yeah. um, et cetera. And I think especially when you think about the illustration world, there's many different types of storytelling. Like uh, by nature, illustrations are, you know, it's not art just for the sake of art. It's really to help illuminate or explain like a concept or idea or story. And so 
Um, sometimes an individual panel or even a wordless image can be a story in and of itself. And the ones I'm really drawn to are the ones that do have that, you know, A, you can tell they're really trying to communicate something authentic, even though, it, even if it might not be like fashionable or marketable, and they're doing it in a way that really helps put you in their shoes. So um, I think Leanna Fink is a, the name of an artist who does a really great job with this because she has a really minimal kind of scribbly style. Um, I think she became a mother in the last year or two. And so has just been sharing a lot of these little snippets from her daily life. And, you know, to the average person, it just looks like kind of a scribble doodle, but the use of words and the specific scenario and like the rawness of it just feels so appealing. And I think, you know, I mean, she's very successful for a reason. Um, Eleanor Davis is another person who does a really good job with this because she has she always sets a very specific mood. It's like, you know, maybe takes place in her specific town with her family. Like it's super individual to her, but she really creates this world that makes you feel like you're there with her and able to sort of empathize and experience what she's going through. Sure. Um, and I think that, again, all leads to to that strong, authentic voice. That is, that's, that's really cool. And I think it connects to what this next question is i think there's obviously some some overlap here yeah so the the, the work focusing on uh visual journalism portraiture editorial food and, and travel illustration mm -hmm. and and I, I i love shelf awareness by the way because i i do get uh <laughs> i do get some of the installments of the nib i have like three or four of them in here oh, awesome. uh, in the studio so yeah shout out to you on that um what is it about that intersection that really kind of like resonates with you? Like being able to like share these stories, these sorts of like, like ideas in this format, because I would imagine that might be a way of getting across an idea in a slightly different way. Like for instance, if I were to say this, mm -hmm. that's going to resonate in one way. But if I were to draw this, it resonates in another way or even even this, I, I, it's a cartoon, uh, the whole family guy thing, right? I would mm -hmm, notice yeah. that some of these heavier topics mm -hmm. that kind of come up, they wouldn't have the adults say it. They would have like the dog and the kids say it because it's not something that's feasible. So some, right. someone can even extrapolate that. So yeah, speak, speak totally. to me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, first off, illustrations and illustrated narratives are really powerful tools in general for communication. I agree with you that, you know, sometimes it, it can really help give a different um, perspective or, or make a, a difficult topic a little easier to navigate. And I mean, I think part of it is just our brains are wired to, to be really attracted to images. And so having um, illustrations involved automatically, I think sometimes makes something feel more accessible or um, lowers that barrier, you know, of access. And um, I think it, also can really um, just immediately make something, simplify something or add uh, maybe a buffer between this, like these harsh words and then, you know, um, your interpretation. But illustrations are by nature um, subjective because, you know, somebody is making them. And so that, that can be a danger that you might run into. Um, so it's just something to keep in the back of your mind that I think they do really enhance um, a story and, you know, a piece of writing, but it, it can sometimes be dangerous. Um, but for the same reason, like if you think about a story where you have a photo of a person versus their illustration, um, that can be powerful on many levels because that, you know, whatever, however that artist is choosing to interpret the person may really um, make you feel something about them that may not explicitly be stated in the piece. Sure. Like if you're thinking about 
and just thinking about this because they unveiled the the portraits of like Michelle Obama and Barack Obama for the White House recently. And just thinking about, you know, how is that president captured? I think there was a lot of talk about like Michelle is wearing this like strapless, you know, her shoulders are out and it's it's a lot um, different than some of the clothing that maybe past uh, first wives have worn. And that really says something about like the the influence she's had in those areas mm-hmm. and like her her power. Um, and yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of going on a tangent, but I think with visual journalism um, specifically, which is sort of what we're touching on with um, pieces like shelf awareness and some of these other illustrated narratives, um, I think, you know, journalism at its best, you're trying to preserve like a specific time and place. And hopefully in doing so, you're gaining a deeper understanding of, of the different viewpoints and circumstances, especially of like the communities that you're reporting on and like, sure. marginalized communities specific, or marginalized voices specifically. Um, and I think the root of like visual journalism is very similar. You're we're really trying to, I, I sometimes call it memory collecting, like really observing and listening and, and learning from your community and then taking that, um, adding your own, obviously, you know, viewpoint to it and creating something that will hopefully uh, connect with other people in a way that written text alone couldn't do. So, so, so this is a version of journalism. Every, I, 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 and I think that, I think that that doesn't get captured in a way that people have this rigid idea of what is art. It's like, like a lack of vision. What is art? What is, what is journalism? What are these different things? And, you know, I, I agree with you that, you know, this, this notion of, Eh, this is a this is journalism. This is journalism, or or this is art. I think let's open that out a little bit more because as the world has shifted and as more people are getting these opportunities, we're stretching what the boundaries of all of these things are. And the way that you described it, of like it's it's kind of in, in paraphrasing, but it's kind of documenting mm-hmm. what's happening through whether it's through conversation, whether it's through visuals, right. and. Even going back to the the thing that you were you were touching on about the Obama's portraits, absolutely, um, that that message is in there. It's like, mm-hmm. oh no, this is going to be a lot different. You know, even I, I look at what is it, the Kenyande Wally, and um, I'm blanking. I'm always blanking on um, the, the the previous portraits that they had. Mm-hmm. And there was a certain degree of vibrancy and color that was there, and it kind yes. of pops. And yes. each iteration of it has popped in comparison to previous presidents, because it's like, no, these folks in, in previous presidents and first ladies, these folks are going to like jump off the page. Amy Sherman, so I was thinking of these folks are going to pop off the page oh, yes. and off the canvas. Yeah, for sure. I might have said first. I don't know if I said first lady first. I, I think I might have said something weird, but you, you got what I meant. Absolutely, I got. <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing it here. We're doing it. So I think that we're an amalgam, I like using that word, of, of mm-hmm. what we like um, <laughs> and, and what we choose to incorporate into our lives. For instance, mm-hmm. I like wrestling and pop culture. Um, there are references all the time. My, uh, my partner, <laughs> I know she gives me crap because I always find a way to ro- work RoboCop into a conversation or Predator uh-huh. or SWAT cats. She's just like, geez, can you just be an adult for two minutes? No, no, why would I do that? Who wants to do that? So describe something that isn't, um, uh, something that isn't quote unquote art related, but mm-hmm. that is something that plays a role in your work, whether it's in influences, whether it's in, look, I got to have this stuffed animal right here. This is really about me. This is what I do. This is how I get my work done. So tell me, tell me about that. Yeah. Um, 
I think maybe the first like obvious thing that comes to mind. And also, I love pop culture as well, so I'm like life's too short to to be serious all the time. So I support your RoboCop references. Um, but yeah, I think the things that uh, sort of anchors me that's like kind of outside of you know what you might consider like a creative practice is that I'm definitely like a fitness buff, <laughs> and it's a very regular part of my life and has been for a long time. Um, I definitely credit my parents for both being pretty active and kind of encouraging that from a young age. So, um, yeah, and I did a lot of different exercise programs. I was really into triathlons at some point and worked as a fitness instructor for many years. So people who've known me for a while um, kind of know that about me. But nowadays I do mostly like CrossFit, Olympic lifting and running. Um, and, you know, it's like all, all the obvious reasons, like the endorphin boost, like I think it really sets the tone for the rest of the day for me um, or gives me something to look forward to. Um, there's a lot of like functional benefits, but I also love the community aspect of it and the the way that it helps sort of anchor you in a routine. Um, it helps you set measurable goals that I think and, and kind of encourages you in a way that you can translate to other aspects of your personal or professional life and um, kind of feels that competitive drive, I think, in a healthy way, <laughs> because, you know, you don't want to take that out and like your partner or maybe like your creativity, because that can be a maybe a harder thing to to measure or assess um and you know that's not really the the viewpoint that i want to have when it comes to like illustrations and so yeah I, I think that's a big thing for me and then um i'm also just really interested in in trying to you know tread lightly on my time on this planet and um interested in sustainability and ways to uh I guess, live a, a more sustainable life and, and think about different initiatives, especially within the Baltimore community where I can um, help kind of create, you know, tools for, for people who are looking for those um, types of things in their lives as well. So I guess that's something that's maybe a little bit easier to directly relate to my work because I have done some um, resources for the city of Baltimore relating to like composting and um, just, you know, community gardens and things of that nature. But I think it's, it can be an overwhelming topic because you always think about like the big corps that are having a huge impact and what can you really do as an individual. But I think there is power in trying to still create resources for people who uh, want to take action because like every little action I think matters. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's true. 100%. It's awesome. Uh, I, I go back to the, uh, the one thing about, you know, having that, that kind of, that kind of rush to kind of pop. Like I, I do the gym. I was out for like a, you know, maybe about a week and I mm -hmm. went back today and it's like, I noticed the shift from going versus not going and I'm pretty going mm -hmm. pretty regularly. And I was like, Oh, I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired. And today I was like, <laughs> I got so much energy, man. Let's do it. Let's kill everything. Let's murder everything. But yeah. you, 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 you don't want to have that thing. And it's, it's a running bit that I have, um, I, think, I forget which movie it was in, but it may have been like Forrest Gump. I'm, I'm not quite sure, mm. but it, it was something that was just ridiculous where it was, you know, something, you know, handsy physically that, that happened in it. And I just remember the guy's response was, this is damn Wars Johnson. It's just like, what? Like <laughs> you're, you're being terrible and you're not putting that energy or what have you in the right place. And mm -hmm. that's immediately what I thought of when you were saying, you know, possibly taking it out on your, your partner, what have you. I can see it now. Like it's these damn grants. It's this grant writing. It's, <laughs> it's these podcasts. 
Uh, yeah. And it, I mean, it can be hard in the moment too to even realize like what you're doing or how you're reacting to something. Sometimes it's like this grant like is actually what's bothering me. Or it could be, you know, my hormones are acting up right now. Or maybe I just have been sitting around my computer for too long. So like anything Mm-hmm. remotely irritating is going to trigger me ah wow. <laughs> just 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 screaming and yeah, it's, it's not a i take up a lot of space i'll just put it that way <laughs> um so i got i got one more real question for you before i get into those rapid fire questions um so when you're preparing to work how tidy yeah. is your workspace and mm-hmm. th- describe it because you know, I'm I'm very interested. Like mine <laughs> looks stupid right now. I have a Topo Chico bandana here for some reason. I'm not joking. Uh oh, you wow. can't see it. It's a Topo Chico <laughs> bandana. Uh just and manifested. I got, a, I got a bottle of tequila next to me. It it's <laughs> it's a very weird setup. And, and and this is the creative space. And everything that I kind of need is like out of hands. But if someone came over, they're like, your place is in disarray so how tidy is your workspace like tell me about that describe your workspace sure um so i'm you know very fortunate that i have this whole kind of little studio nook in my home um it's like the very top floor of a row home so it gets pretty steamy in here on summer days but um it's a really nice like it's probably the the best lighting of the whole house i've got a lot of plants around me hopefully that good juju of you know being around green um and then, yeah, it's kind of, I, I really like working at a higher desk for some reason. I just, I sit and stand all the time. And so I have like a high chair and just like keep the desk at kind of a standing height. Um, and then one of those, like, uh, I don't even portable uh, drawing surfaces that you can sort of lean back. Yeah. I'm using my hands, but it's like, no one is going to see it. So I'm trying to describe it as best Let's as I can. Let's describe it really well. So yes. Yvonne is using her, it's like, ah, yeah. I'm doing the same Just thing. Doing <laughs> random motions. But yes, it's like a re- sort of retractable um, little wooden thing that goes on top that, because it's nice so sometimes drawing at an angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of people keep kind of the computer stuff separate from like the, the analog stuff, which I think also has a lot of value, but I do, you know, I use a lot of like references and things like that. So I do have like a laptop with a double monitor set up um, kind of next to that. So I can use it if I need to, but also sort of have it be on the other side of this like long table that I work on. Um, and yeah, generally, and I try to, you know, kind of fill the walls. You can't really see behind me, but in front there's a ton of um, just different images from other artists that inspire me or friends, like a lot, a lot of little postcards and random little knickknacks that are just visually inspiring and, and fun to look at if I just need a break from what I'm doing. Um, and a lot of books and things around. And yeah, I feel like I'm always, it's never quite as neat as I would like it to be, but then every once in a while, like maybe like once a month, I'll just get this cleaning frenzy and I'll you know, take half an hour and like tidy everything up and it feels amazing. And I inevitably find like 10 pens that are no longer <laughs> working that probably need to be retired and things like that. But I think we're always like maybe harder on ourselves because you know, like how you like things, but whenever people come over, they're like, wow, it looks pretty neat. And I'm like, oh no, but don't look in that corner. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's a pretty functional space overall, but it's interesting because, you know, when you let the the mess kind of gather, you it's almost like you're excavating. You can like see the stack of books that you've been referencing the last month. And you're like, oh, okay, this, I can tell this has been here a while because I was like looking through that, you know, X weeks ago. And so that's usually a good reminder of like, yeah, it might be time to, to reset the space a little bit, but um, 
I think all, all that is to say I can definitely work under some sort of semi-organized chaos, but I, ideally yeah. it would be a little bit neater. Um, and I wouldn't leave so many things out, but they're almost always there as like a reminder of like, you still need to do this or like this thing is not quite resolved. So keep it within arm's reach. Yeah. Yeah. And I brought down my background screen so you can just see like my wall and all of my stuff. Yours oh, is much nice. better, <laughs> much better than mine's. What I have just just different things <laughs> that uh, that that matter to me. Like right behind me, uh, over my I guess this is my this this shoulder, this shoulder right here. That's yeah, kinda, yeah. That's like my creative altar, and I have two mm. of them in here. So just of different that's things awesome. that I've gotten. That's a paper cut from Rosa Left right there, and just different things that I've gotten um, in doing this podcast. And I think are those that like I, figurines? I'm seeing something, but it's a little blurry in the yes. corner. Like it looks like Baby Groot or some sort of. I don't that know. is uh, Leonardo <laughs> from the Ninja Turtles as a Funko Oh, Pop. yes. Okay, that's all. It just see kind of like a green and brownish blob. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the uh, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters oh, nice. uh, bringing Classic. in the rear. So, yeah, yes. just, you know, having those things that, you know, if I have a studio and this is my studio, it's like having those things that are interesting, that bring me joy. And you can't see it, but in the front of me is the paintings that I, I did or have a couple years back. And mm -hmm. those are like right there. So it's almost like the way that I have everything positioned, the work is happening here. The fun is happening behind me. Yeah. And, um, and I, I just remember really kind of changing that setup for the uh, best of Baltimore shoot. Mm. I was like, all right, I, someone's coming over here. This is going to be in a magazine. I need to yeah. sort this out. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so funny too, because now I think, especially with zoom, you're more conscious about like what's behind you. And in a way I kind of feel like, Oh, maybe I need to add more stuff back there because it feels very drab when I'm on the screen, but then I can't like look at it all the time because it's not in front of me. So sort of you know different types of considerations once you're real you know if you're using your space for multiple functions but yeah ultimately i guess you have to prioritize what works for you on a day-to-day -day basis 100 that's why your books are like right there you know that's the thing yeah. like, here's my references <laughs> uh so with that i think that's a good spot for us to start with the real questions and now get to the fun questions okay sounds good all of it's fun all of it's fun so um i agree I want to start off by uh, asking you about the whole the, the, the Baltimore question. Um, name one way that Baltimore has influenced your style, whether it's creatively, professionally, or personally. Yeah, um, I think I was really, you know, it is like a, a very creative city in general. I think a lot of people kind of um, are self-made or just really in, um, invested in the community. And so there's so many... Um, artists I've been exposed to and like murals even that I've seen walking around that I think I was not seeing. I used to live in like Silicon Valley right before moving here, just like a, a much more sort of manicured, like less vibrant um, town. And so I think just being around all this making and then seeing different ways that people, um, you know, express themselves creatively in their lives has influenced me. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think just every city, it's like different sets of issues or things that they're working on. And just through people that I've met, um, I, you know, I mentioned the uh, compost project, like just various different little projects like that, that really caught my attention that I feel like has been a good way to tap into something very real and very local that also connects to my larger interests. And so mm -hmm. um, I think especially during COVID, just trying to find those, those little connections and um, collaborating with other people who are also, you know, stuck at home, like trying to figure out how to put their work out there and, and make the world a little bit less depressing um, was, was a big impact for sure. 
Okay, I'm gonna make it weird. I'm just gonna make it a weird question. Uh, if you had a mascot, what would it be? Oh my goodness, a mascot. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like, I mean, thinking to like inside jokes with different friends and and my partner, and um, there's you know sometimes we like give each other like animal personas and. Uh, one that I gotten a few times, and yeah, this is I'm leaning into the weirdness. Is like either Yoshi from from Mario or nice. um, like an otter, because I think just like some of my mannerisms and you know always like kind of leaning back with a little piece of fruit in my mouth. So um, it would probably be like some sort of fun, you know, cozy animal, kind of in the style of like a Taiwanese like mascot. I think. Taiwan and Japan do a great job with those kinds of mascots. <laughs> so like very blocky, very like goofy. Um, yeah, carrying fruit and veggies around because I feel like I obviously eat more than that, but that's sort of the the food people always associate with me. Like whether they're coming over or just like watching me in the wild, like whipping out <laughs> random snacks. Um, and then yeah, I I have pink hair, so maybe this character currently well, currently have pink hair. Maybe the character would have like a, a weird wig on. So. That's a good yeah. starting point for a personal mascot, I would say. <laughs> no, that, that works. That works. Um, my, my partner, she has uh, pink hair as well, and uh, she looks like a Bratz doll. It's like I'm six four. She's probably five two. So oh my, you can yeah. imagine seeing that that combination. Your looking couple, yeah. <laughs> uh huh. It's, it's like an ogre and a Bratz doll walking together. It's <laughs> it's great. Um, I think hers would have like fairy wings because that's just what mm, it is. Magic. Uh, nice. yeah. This this is so. I got I got two more. Um. And uh, let's see, this one, I think this one's going to be a quick one. Uh, favorite color that like you use in your work and what does that color represent to you? That, I think colors matter. Obviously, words matter. Colors matter. Uh, for me, it's 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 gray and ox blood, you know, the blood mm. of my enemies. Because I have so many enemies. <laughs> oh, man. I better watch out. <laughs> Get on your bad side. Um, you know, it's so funny because I, I think like favorite color personally changes a lot. If I look through my work, I see a lot of colors that I, I, maybe it's just like different phases, but I've been finding that this like really kind of matte pinkish color has been coming up a lot and sort of mixed with maybe like a mustardy yellow. Um, I don't know if there's a specific association with that because I'm seeing it maybe more in my just personal work or sketchbook. But I think the pink, you know, it's bringing me joy right now, um, <laughs> evidently with the hair and everything. And it's just kind of a nice backdrop sometimes for maybe more serious or observational topics. So it sort of adds this, um, yeah, suspension of disbelief or whatever. And and then that mustardy kind of like yellowy color. I think I, I love food illustration and, and doodles and, um, and drawing people. So maybe it's sort of amalgamation. There's that word again of, you know, food and, and skin and so maybe it's it's just yeah a nice representation of um, a lot of the topics that I'm currently really excited by. Cool, 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 cool. This is the last one. This is the most odd one, but I, I think it's I think it's funny. Um, we often um, can can present kind of what we do, tell people what we do, how we do it, and all of that. And we use these great words and have this great you know blah blah, blah the the diaspora of East Baltimore is what I use. I, I do that to troll um, and. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to describe, uh, I like to be able to describe what I do, but doing it badly. I just mm. talk about stuff. You know, that's not even nowhere near what I do. So can okay, you describe yeah. what you do, but poorly, like describe it badly? Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a challenge. I know. <laughs> the simplest would be 
I have an existential crisis every day and then draw something and get paid for it. <laughs> okay. Um, that's really but you know that's uh, that's one part. There's also the education part. But basically, yeah, I I, really <laughs> I lean on this idea of a visual or well, that's that's even too much. Maybe just I draw fun things and talk a lot. Just well, you know, people like you who hopefully are here voluntarily, and, and to students who who knows what their intentions are. But they all work very hard, actually. I love them. Um, oh, yeah. I think the stumbling and all that, just word vomit is a big, you know, that's all a part of the saying it badly. But hopefully that that conveys the, the vibe we're going for with this rapid fire. No, that, that that's great. You, you really got me. It's like, that eh, just existential crisis. Just, eh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. I, yeah, where's the lie? Okay. <laughs> it might be this thing. Where it's like, I try to make myself seem more interesting by talking to more interesting people. That, that actually might be what I oh, do. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a really, see that thing? I feel like that's like, it's not a, a bad way of saying it. It's just like a, ah, like the, the maybe, you know, if you were to really peel back all the layers to the uh -huh. onion, that would be like at the center, like uh -huh. actually. I'm Austin Cleon in it a little bit. That's, that's, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, yeah, I love him. <laughs> absolutely. So with, with that being said, um, I want to thank and uh, express my gratitude for you being on this podcast. And I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check out your work, where to follow you on Instagram, social media, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, and thank you again for having me. I Absolutely. always really enjoy your conversations. And, it's, uh, you know, the folks listening to this can't see it, but seeing you and then hearing the voice that I'm familiar with is it's like really trippy because I'm like, that's, <laughs> you know, it's like this. Anyway, magnificent being and now you're here in real life. Um, but I would say the best way to check out my work um, is my website, just my first name, last name dot com or um, on Instagram. It's Yvonne Lowe Art. All, all together, no space or anything um, on Instagram. And yeah, I try to post, you know, slightly more off the cuff things on there. Um, whereas the website is slightly more curated. So those are always great places. And I check my messages. I love to, I, like I said, engage with folks and interview folks and make work around different people. So um, love to hear from folks. And that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is great. I, I'm surprised that uh, you didn't have that same experience you had when you were younger with like, oh, this person draws all of the comics. This podcast, this podcaster does all of the podcasts. That would be, be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you're like, I do voices. a lot, though. I'm not going to. Yeah, you you definitely do a lot. I, I'm always very impressed by like your just the output. Well, um, thank you. And your calendar is like, you know, you're booked up. You're you're a busy guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, with, with that, um, I want to, again, thank you for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee for Ethan Lowe. I'm Rob Lee saying that there is arts and uh, culture and community in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. <laughs> <laughs>